Welcome to the Moment in Ministry podcast. In a world that's filled with fear and anxiety, it is now, more than ever, imperative that those which are called by Christ's name turn and look upon Him. Hello, this is Steve Dammer for a Moment of Ministry, and today we got Pastor Josh Fryman with us, and I'm going to have him introduce himself, tell a little bit about his background and where he's at right now. As Pastor Dameron said, my name is Josh Fryman. I'm privileged to pastor the New Testament Baptist Church in Laramore, North Dakota. It's about a half hour west of the Minnesota state line and an hour south of Canada, in case you're wondering where Laramore is. Um, <laughs> I lived 17 years on Long Island. I was an assistant pastor there for about five years and then was privileged to be used by the Lord to start a church on the east end of Long Island. And then about two years ago was approached by a man named Pastor Ken Schaefer who asked me to come up and uh, consider transitioning there as he retired. And the Lord led in that way. And I've been up in North Dakota now for a year and a half. All right, so you've been in a transition, and you've had, mm-hmm. uh, what you didn't mention, also grew up in a pastor's home. I did, yes. My dad, uh, Tom Fryman, pastors the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Ohio. has been there for almost 40 years. Yeah, long time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Four decades. Four decades. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. All right. But, so, growing up in a pastor's home, and then yeah. being an assistant, starting a church in Long Island, and now transitioning into an existing work Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of think about a number of different things because of the experience, which is kind of unique. Sure. But one of them is moving from Long Island, which I would think would be pretty affluent. In fact, yeah. I was out there and you were right next to, oh, come on, what, what's the... Um, the the city? No, the uh, very affluent area. That oh, the all, Hamptons. The ha- yeah. yeah, so you were right by yes. the Hamptons. Yeah, interesting uh, note about that. Yeah. I, I worked in the Hamptons part-time when I was a pastor in New York, um, doing like mansions, swimming right. pools, and all that kind of stuff. And in North Dakota, I get to work on a farm. Well, yeah, yeah, so a little bit different. Working working in the Hamptons and yeah. then while working a little on a different, farm. Right. Yeah. So uh, what mm-hmm. are some maybe, we, we're trying to think about some of the differences. Mm-hmm. So what are the, some of the differences of the people, the culture, from a, a really affluent area mm-hmm. to here and is it Laramore or like Laramore, yeah. Laramore, yes, North Dakota? Yeah. Well, culturally, um, mm-hmm. there's spiritual differences, but culturally, I would say that there's more of a, a moral sense in North Dakota than there oh. was on Long Island. Yep. Uh, family structure is very important. It's a very religious area, but uh, I'm, I was very surprised to see how many families are there. In Long Island, it wasn't that way. There's a lot of uh, divorce, a lot of fractured homes. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there are, there are people that are there, obviously have families right. for a while, but that was one thing. So the moral, uh, the morality wasn't as noticeable on Long right. Island. Not that it's emeritus morality, you know, right. a lot of it's just religion, but, um, I would say that that was one of the biggest differences. Um, some similarities. Am I allowed to say something? Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, some similarities would be that I think it's American culture is the almighty dollar. Oh, and yeah. People are so busy. Uh, matter of fact, a couple of months ago, I think it was the Denver uh, newspaper, North Dakota was ranked the hardest working state in the in the U.S. Uh, and I can see that. Um, but in Long Island, it was more of a, a lot of work, a lot of time, but really not a lot accomplished. Um, it was just kind of keeping up with the Joneses. One thing is interesting on a cultural sense is that you don't you know you never really notice a lot of old cars on Long Island. Right. There's a lot of everyone has a new car. Right. Not that way in North Dakota. 
You know, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. No, no one's trying to keep up with the Joneses. They live too far away. Right. <laughs> so, question number two. Yeah. Um, you've transitioned into a ministry. Mm-hmm. So let's think about that transition. Um, so many people uh, talk through it. Uh, I know uh, transitions, even in life, are hard. Uh, sure. You know, you transition out of high school into college. Yeah. Uh, from college, you transition into either the workforce or you transition into if God calls you into ministry, and then you transition from single. Uh, into married, and then what's uh, I know in dealing with married folks, what a lot of people don't realize is the transition from being married mm. to having children. Sure, oh, it's yeah. just I mean yeah. you talk about all of those things. So transitions mm. are part of life. Mm-hmm. As uh, I tell some people, change is what it is. Right, yeah, <laughs> change yeah. is what it is. So yeah. you have to get used to that. But for somebody that now has come. Uh, you were an assistant, you were a pastor, you started mm-hmm. a church, and now you transitioned into an established work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things that you would say, hey, here are some tips for a guy like you coming into that? Okay, that's a good good question. <clears throat> I would say from uh, make sure that he knows and assure him and affirm and for him that you know that his coming there is his calling. Okay, yeah. And what I mean by that is he's not there to continue another man's legacy. Yeah. Right? That there's no pressure for that. Yeah. It's about the church. Right. And that's one of the things I, I believe that was uh good about where our transition was was we've tried to make it about the church. Yeah. It, the church is not my platform for my ministry. Yeah. Right. So right. But but affirm him in that. Let him know that. So we know that you're here because God called you here and yeah. y- your ministry is here. So it takes the pressure off of him because he's not trying to fill another man's shoes, as yes, the comments say. Right. He's not yeah. supposed to. He's supposed to fill the shoes right. God gave him. So like even for you coming into this, mm-hmm. your biggest thing was just, all right, I got to know this is what God wants me to do. Yes. And I know you and I have talked about that. I yes. remember when you were making a long journey from Long Island and you drove through here all the way up to um, Laramore and, and you weren't even mm. halfway there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It was a long, yes. and not only was a um, a long yeah. transition in the future, but it was a long drive. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, it was. Thankfully, uh, we shipped everything ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that though, mm. um, that was one thing, a, a transition from Long Island to there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was pretty obvious, I think, to you uh, that God affirmed it in your heart. That yes, this is, absolutely. This has, all right, you have to know that. Yeah. You have to know this No is question. What, well, to go back to what you said earlier about right. transition, if you th- go back and listen to what you said about those, all of them included responsibility. Yes. There's a responsibility that comes with this transition. Yeah, you're right. And not just for the church that you're going to or yeah. the calling that God put on your life, but your family. Yes. And um, I, I wish I could say I handled that one well. Right. But, you know, a year and a half in, you're able to look back and say, oh, man, I wish I had done that differently. Yeah. So in a, in a transition, mm-hmm. you have to, there's your preparation and that's you coming in. There's the pastor's preparation preparation as in uh the current pastor and going to be former pastor mm-hmm. but i think what sometimes is forgotten is the people so it's those people so maybe let's let's address some of that well it's true like we said earlier ultimately it's about the church yes you know the lord is moving you there because they're his sheep yes it's his flock right and he wants you to feed them the pastor leaving 
there's a humility there. Yes. Right where he realizes it's not my church. Yes. It's not my flock. It's the Lord's. I was privileged to serve while I was able to be here, and right. now it's someone else's turn. I realize it's easy for me to say that as the guy coming in, but I do think that's very important for the church to see, because if the church sees that pastor confident that yep. this is God's will, yep. it's going to carry over to the church. Yes, if the church right. sees hesitancy, uh, hesitancy yeah. Yeah, fear, right. then it's going to affect the church. Yeah. So, and, and probably, yeah. like I know I've told guys, um, just because I've been through a transition, and people are like, all right, so uh, what are some things to look for? What are some things to help? And what I tell people is transitions are always hard. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a church, um, and, you know, my, my first thought was that, well, you know what? Um, if somebody leaves, what's up? But sure. the sheep get used to a, a shepherd's voice. And mm-hmm. a pastor is called, I know he's an under shepherd, but he's a shepherd. Right. So the members of that church do get used to the voice of their shepherd. Oh, yeah. And when the transition occurs, there are mm-hmm. going to be some people that are going to be like, you know what? I, I may start. I may look somewhere else. Yeah. And all right. As somebody coming in, I can't get offended. Right. Okay. Then as um, the the pastor that was there, he can't get bent out of shape. Mm-hmm. Because people are leaving. Yeah. Because some of it is not everybody is. I, I know I had to learn this about myself, and I still don't get it. All right. But some people <laughs> don't like me, yeah. which is what? crazy, unbelievable. It's just crazy. I have a hard time. I know. Mean, oh, see, yeah. and I knew you would. I knew that's why. That's why we go along so well. All right. But yeah. but I'm glad we're sitting down. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody is gonna like right uh, the new guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some are going to have an allegiance to the the you know the former pastor. Some are going to have an automatic allegiance to the new guy, and he can't get yeah. he can't uh, get um, uh, caught up in like oh yeah well uh, you're not going to believe what what the former pastor did. A hundred percent. So some of that is hey you know what this is God's calling. I'm coming in here, mm-hmm. and number one is I'm gonna I'm gonna honor God. Yeah. Well, I, I, you brought up a lot of good points, and I'd like to talk about that right. for a minute. Because the new guy has to remember, you reap what you sow. Oh, yeah. Right? Right. So if you have no problem sitting in the corner talking about the yeah. pastor, then you can't yeah. you know, have a problem. So you, that, I think that's very important mm-hmm. to remember that. Um, I think what one thing we did, not to talk about us, but I mean, I know our transition best because that's what we did. Right. I, would, I would recommend this to any transition. Um, and especially because I came from the outside. I didn't grow up in the yes. church. I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with the church. What Pastor Schaefer did was very early in my move there, he had me preaching almost every week. Yeah. And he put me into the, the preaching schedule. And one of the benefits of that was if you ever met Pastor Schaefer and you you know me, there is no fear of me trying to be like him. We yeah. have completely different personalities. And I think that's good. I think the yeah. Lord did that on purpose because it it, it removes the, the idea that, oh, you're just trying to be another Pastor Schaefer. Well, Pastor Schaefer would even admit that that's not what the church needs right now. Yeah. They need it. So what happened was, by me being able to preach often, the church began to hear me. Yes. And my yeah. my style, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But also my philosophy about preaching, my commitment to the Word of God. And I don't say that arrogantly. No. That's just my philosophy of ministry. We have to preach the Word, and we right. we have to be in it. And and I think that the folks, when when they voted to bring me there as an assistant, it was not unanimous. 
um, when they voted to bring me on as pastor, and I praise the Lord for this, but it was unanimous. Mm. And I think that they had, over that year, they had seen my heart, my commitment to the to the word and, and the, the pulpit and preaching. But here's what it did for the people's sake, all right? And this is important. By me coming on as an assistant, a lot of assistants are used as more of administrative uh, duties, right? By By tasking me with preaching, I am every week praying for our church because I need to know what to give right. them, right? Um, what I do, we went through the Gospel of John, but I'm praying for our families because I want to make sure I'm meeting their needs through the pulpit and all that. So it, it endeared me to the folks, yep. I think, quicker than it would have normally just the idea of preaching, but also the same, same way back. Uh, so I would say, just to recap briefly, um, the new guy's got to be careful. You know, it's not about you. Um, there, there's a, there, be careful of pride. Everyone likes the new guy because you're the yep. new guy. Yeah, you know? right, exactly. But, but that's going to wear off. Right. And you need to um, make sure that they know that your attachment to them is, I'm not saying you can't be friends, but is you, you take the pulpit seriously. <laughs>